Welcome to the August edition of the Flight Test Safety Podcast. It is that time of year again where in the early hours of the morning you will encounter those large yellow machines making their way through neighborhoods and moving deliberately, stopping frequently. So be alert, be vigilant, and be careful around those school buses. Let's jump right into our look back in aviation history. 22 August 1963, NASA Chief Research Test Pilot Joe Walker would attempt a flight to maximum altitude in the X-15. Now, engineering predictions said the X-15 could reach 400,000 feet, but they also showed a risk to safe reentry from that altitude. The target altitude for the flight was set at 360,000 feet to provide adequate safety margin because previous flights had shown variations in engine thrust and climb angle could cause large overshoots in peak altitude. On that day, the X-15 was airdropped from the Boeing NB-52A Stratofortress at 45,000 feet, where Joe Walker ignited the rocket engine. The flight plan called for the duration of the burn to be 84 and a half seconds at a climb angle of 45 degrees. Just as Walker was about to shut down the engine, it ran out of fuel. The total burn time ended up being 85.8 seconds, just slightly longer than planned. This occurred at 176,000 feet, at which point the X-15 continued to coast upward toward peak altitude. That coasting portion of the flight would take about two minutes. Now, two minutes doesn't seem long, but when you have a chance, time it on your watch or phone. And trust me, you have to be going really, really fast to coast up for that length of time. The airplane would eventually coast up another 178,000 feet to peak out at an altitude of 354,200 feet. And that record would stand for 41 years. Okay, moving on to our monthly focus topic. Now, as you recall, in our last episode, we were at a local watering hole talking safety and culture with Mark Jones and Vanessa Rabello. We were on the topic of Mark's idea of 3Q, or three questions, when talking about predicting risk. And we had just debated best methods for capturing feedback from a safety event when I noticed, out of the corner of my eye, a figure approaching us. His look was focused, intense. He slowly closed the distance to our table. I tried to continue to concentrate on our discussion, but it was getting harder to focus. I was faced with a critical decision. Should I, or shouldn't I, stop the recording? And suddenly, my mind went to Mark's 3Q. I thought about the possible outcomes. Now, qualitatively, he was moving towards our table at a comfortable pace. Not too fast as to be threatening, and not too slow to bring flashbacks to the $6 million man. Quantitatively, he was approaching at about 80 paces per minute. And then I thought about the range of possible outcomes. Maybe he was a new server who forgot to wear his name tag or his logo shirt. Or someone who left their cell phone at a table earlier in the day or someone actually heading to the table next to us who chose a non-optimal vector, or maybe even a time traveler from the future coming to enlist our help to save mankind. It seemed like the possibilities were endless. Finally, in all those possibilities, I had to ponder what was the frequency of those potential outcomes. Now, admittedly, the time traveler scenario, while exciting, seemed a bit unlikely. But before I could evaluate any others, he arrived at our table sat down next to me, and... Um, welcome. Are you from the future? No. Oh, oh who are you? So, uh, my name is Nathan Cook. Uh, I go by Captain. I am a 20-year tester for the Air Force, a civil servant, um, mostly fighter flight test. Uh, 
I'm currently the 96 Operations Group Chief Data Officer. Uh, I'm the inaugural uh, person with that position, so nobody knows what it means. Uh, I'm taking my first six months to define the position, which is awesome. Um, the, uh, the question at hand uh, about safety, safety culture, quantity, quantity, uh, quality, um, it brings to mind two things. Uh, one, uh, when you were just talking about the surveys, having that space, that free text space to allow anything in uh, kind of opens the aperture for things that you did not intend to ask, but you got answers that you that ended up being uh, good answers to get, high quality answers. Uh, that, that will actually influence future decisions. Uh, that makes me think of the uh, Cooper Harper scale. The reason being, uh, the Cooper Harper scale is quantitatively a, like a decision tree, a very strict decision tree that takes you to a specific numeric answer. It's not uh, ordinal, well, it's ordinal, it's not an interval or, uh, what's the other one? Anyway, you can look it up later. The, um, uh, meaning the numbers can't be uh, added, divided, multiplied, and subtracted, but they can give you a sense of rank. But really, that whole structure is really only there to provide a structure for discussion and thought and focus because I'm sure, that had you not asked, asked those questions on the survey, if you had just said, like, just given them a blank sheet of paper, you would not have gotten 44 high quality answers. You might have gotten three and a lot of blank paper, <laughs> just like, I don't know. Um, but by giving it that initial structure and then opening it up, um, that, that cages the mind, that it gives a, a framework for the thought process and any good safety review process is just that. You have a process to provide a structure to get you in the mindset of thinking through things, but what really comes out of that is the space to actually creatively think about what are we trying to do, why are we trying to do it, and how are we doing it? And it, if we are doing it in this way, oh, you know, you just said that. That makes me think this. And now you have a discussion. Um, and so having that, you know, the, the contrast between quantitative and qualitative, in my mind, is an analogy for the, con the, the uh, contrast between structured and unstructured. You want both. You, you need a structured process to for the discipline because without you know if we weren't doing this podcast and if we didn't have these questions at hand you know who knows where we'd be an hour into the conversation right but because of the structure we're still on on topic and we may veer off but we we come back in because we have an obligation to the audience to <laughs> to, to provide them with some quality not just quantity yep. right yep. so um <laughs> See what I did there? So, uh, so I, uh, th that that that.
prompt and, and the question prompt um, makes me think about Cooper Harper. Uh, some recent experience just this week, uh, I know that the flight test safety workshop has had some briefings on uh, STPA. Uh, let me see if I can get it right. System theoretic process analysis. <laughs> Very proud. Um, so we were just applying that to some autonomy testing this week. That's uh, based off of some previous uh, experience where we did flight test um, safety process without that um, and anticipating some incoming uh, uh, systems that, that are going to be new to us. Uh, watching the team go through that, uh, yes, ultimately there will be some decisions made on how likely is something to happen, what is the, you know, the severity of the consequence, you know, the, the, the standard classic, you know, um, kind of frequentist kind of approach. But the nice thing about STPA is it doesn't constrain itself to thinking about uh, failure. It talks about relationships between subcomponents so that when everything's working correctly, each component can be working correctly, but their interaction is what causes the hazard and ultimately the, the loss. The other thing I like about STPA is it, up front, you define the system. Then the next thing you do is you define your unacceptable losses. Like a lot of my experience, we, we kind of, first we think about what we're test, how we're gonna test, and then we think about what hazards that might occur. And then we think about, okay, what's the worst case, what's the worst case outcome of that hazard? Well, STPA kind of flips that on its head and says, you know what? Let's talk about the system. Now let's think about what, what are things we really don't want to have happen. And then, then we think about the conditions under which those losses could occur. And then you think about, okay, where in all these interactions between these systems and subsystems could those conditions appear? Um, so, you know, no process, no system, uh, no... Uh, no checklist is, is going to be everything but you need structure and then you need the space for that thought and that discussion to happen because it really is a creative endeavor like if you're not applying if you're not coming at this with the, the idea that you're imagining things it's a creative it's a thought process and, and when people stop thinking, that's when things go sideways, right? Um, so th those are the thoughts that I have right now. So let me, let me close this out um, with, well, these are gonna sound like really softball questions, but I think they're really hard at the end of the day. So, so the part one is, um, can anyone inside an organization, team, group, make an assessment of that team, group, organization's safety culture. Does anybody in the organization have the ability to, to make that assessment? Qualitative and or quantitative? Nate, you first. Uh, Girdle would say no. <laughs> um, uh, I, I don't think they could make, uh, I don't think they can make the uh, definitive statement, but everybody's gonna have a sense. Okay. Fair enough. Um, 
but in my mind, it's kind of like situational awareness. Um, when we do a test, if you're part of the test, everybody has a vote to stop the test. So in that sense, if you see something, you're supposed to say something, right? You see something unsafe during a test or in the workforce or whatever, you're supposed to say something. So in that way, you do have a sense. Like, I think it's unsafe, and no one's going to question you on that at that moment, right? In the planning phase, you may not have the whole picture. So. All right. Mark? So in my personal opinion, safety culture is what happens when two people bump into each other inside an organization. So one person could effectively describe a safety culture. Now, I also, th- I also think it's kind of the aggregate of all of those bumps, so their, uh, their assessment of the safety culture may not be the full range of possible outcomes. Knock on wood, that's the second of the three Q. Okay, so, so we agree that everyone could at least have a sense of the safety culture in organization, and they may or may not be able to have the entire big picture just because they're not exposed to enough of the bumps, uh, as you said. So part two of the question is, is anybody within an organization capable of having an impact on the safety culture? Nate first. <laughs> uh, the short answer is yes. And that, I guess, that could be positive or negative. Right. Oh, the, yeah, yes doesn't mean good. Uh, yes is the affirmative that they, they can have an impact. Um, to the extent of any culture, uh, it, it's a culture is a system. It's a st- systemic thing. Uh, things can cascade or they can dampen out. And unfortunately, you don't know what's going to cause a cascade and what's going to, cause, what's going to get damped out. Uh, but uh, if you can get more than one person and have their, uh, uh, their troughs and, and, uh, and peaks coherent, that's when like, things really get moving. Uh, but but it's, uh, it's, a chaotic, it's a chaotic system. Okay. Vanessa, can anybody in the organization have an impact on the culture? I think the answer is yes. Kind of going back to what Mark said about is it qualitative or quantitative? If you use only one or only the other, you're kind of not getting the full picture. And so you could be completely risk averse where we would never fly, you know, or we could be, we could be completely, you know, um, going as people like to say cowboys or whatever you want to call it right so you need to take some things into account look at what we've done before but that's not everything and use the creative piece like captain says and think through what is it that could happen if you're not thinking about that then why are we here right why are we putting all of our heads together as seasoned testers to think through those situations that have never happened before because that's why we're here is because it's never been done. And so we want to think through those kinds of things. Mark? So I'm going to piggyback on Vanessa's answer and say, and give kind of the two points on the extremes. Yes, one person in a bad organization can have a positive effect and maybe even transform the whole organization, but it's pretty unlikely. Um, by the same token, one bad egg in a good organization probably is not going to ruin the whole organization. And then in between there are all the different other kinds of uh, combinations that you can imagine. 
Okay. All right. So I want to thank Vanessa, Mark, and Nate for joining on the podcast for this roundtable discussion here at the Third Planet Mothership. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Art. Hopefully that conversation stimulated some thought. Now, we set this meeting up to get together as flight testers and talk about something of interest, something we thought was relevant, and something we hope would stimulate discussion in others. So here's an idea. Grab a few friends, head out to your favorite local spot, pick something from your experience or maybe something you're preparing to go do, and go through the 3Q process and see what you get. Now, to help you out, go back and listen to part one of this series if you missed it, and you can check out Mark's 3Q article from the Flight Test Safety Fact, which is linked in the show notes. Here's a couple of upcoming events to mention. Registration is finally open for the European Flight Test Safety Workshop. This event will be at the Royal Air Force Club in London, England from the 11th through 13th of October. And you can find all the details on our website, www.flighttestsafety.org. And I will put a link in the show notes for this episode as well. This is going to be a great event that takes place in the iconic district of Mayfair in London. But fear not, the likelihood of encountering any werewolves is very, very remote. Also, registration is open for the Society of Experimental Test Pilots Annual Symposium and Banquet, September 21st through 24th in Anaheim, California. You can find more details for that on the SCTP website. And finally, registration is open for the Society of Flight Test Engineers 53rd International Symposium that will take place in London, Ontario, Canada, October 24th through the 28th. Check their website for more information. Now that'll wrap us up for this month. Hope to see some of you at the SCTP Symposium in Anaheim next month, or possibly in the Caribbean, where I will be on a cruise, relaxing, working on my tan, and of course, keeping a weather eye on the horizon. So until next month, be safe, be smart, and be ready. The Flight Test Safety Podcast is sponsored by Time to Climb Training and Consulting. Motivate your team to succeed, accelerate towards your goals, and elevate to a higher level of performance. On the web at www.time2climb.com.